The kakadu plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a kakadu smoothie? I'm JB Smooth, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at and slash hypergig for details. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This episode is brought to you by Navy Federal Credit Union. At Navy Federal, it's been the mission to help the military community for over 90 years. And not just help them, but do everything to make sure they not only grow, but flourish. That's why Navy Federal Credit Union has all kinds of great savings and investment options, like share certificates with sky-high rates. So don't hesitate. Start growing your finances today with a variety of savings and investment options. Navy Federal Credit Union. Our members are the mission. Savings products insured by NCUA. Investment products are not insured. Not obligations of Navy Federal and may lose value. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that flips through the pages of history to deliver old news in a new way. I'm Gabe Luzier, and in this episode, we're taking a closer look at the unparalleled popularity of Sherlock Holmes, one of the most adaptable, and some would say insufferable, characters in all of British literature. The day was October 14th, 1892. British author Arthur Conan Doyle published The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes, a collection of the first 12 stories to feature the famous detective. All of the stories included had already been published before in magazines, beginning with A Study in Scarlet in 1887. Most of the stories were initially published in serialized form, meaning they were made available one chapter or section at a time. This drip-feed approach to storytelling kept readers coming back for each new issue, but it wasn't very accessible for latecomers, who would have to track down back issues if they wanted to read the full story. The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes solved that problem by collecting the initial batch of stories into one convenient hardback volume. When it hit bookstore shelves in 1892, a whole new crop of readers was introduced to Conan Doyle's shrewd detective, and the public's appetite for the character only grew from there. Conan Doyle himself lost interest in the character far more quickly, 
but he ultimately bowed to public pressure and went on to write 60 original Sherlock Holmes stories in his lifetime, 4 novels and 56 shorts. Taken together, they form a body of work which the Sherlockian fanbase lovingly refers to as the canon. Arthur Conan Doyle was born in Edinburgh, Scotland on May 22, 1859. He was the second of seven surviving children born to Charles and Mary Foley Doyle. His childhood was fraught with money troubles and domestic strife, in large part due to his father's ongoing struggle with alcoholism and mental illness. Conan Doyle's mother, however, provided a steady sense of security and often told her son imaginative stories to help him forget their troubles. The author later credited her with sparking his interest in storytelling, saying, quote, in my early childhood, as far as I can remember anything at all, the vivid stories which she would tell me stand out so clearly that they obscure the real facts of my life. I am sure, looking back, that it was in attempting to emulate these stories of my childhood that I first began weaving dreams myself. However, before he settled on a career in writing, Conan Doyle first studied medicine at the University of Edinburgh. During his time there, he worked at a local hospital as the clerk of a professor named Dr. Joseph Bell. A skilled surgeon and lecturer, Bell was renowned for his ability to accurately diagnose patients based only on minute details, such as the signs of wear on their clothing, the way they walked, the accent they spoke with, or even the kinds of tattoos they had. Bell demonstrated this impressive deductive power for the good of his students. As he put it, quote, all careful teachers have first to show the student how to recognize accurately the case. In fact, the student must be taught to observe. To interest him in this kind of work, we teachers find it useful to show the student how much a trained use of observation can discover in ordinary matters, such as the previous history, nationality, and occupation of a patient. As you've probably deduced yourself if you're familiar with Sherlock Holmes, Dr. Bell later served as the real-life inspiration for the character. Conan Doyle essentially took Bell's approach to medicine and applied it to a crime scene instead. One of the first people to make that connection was another famous author of the era, Robert Louis Stevenson. He had also studied under Dr. Bell at the University of Edinburgh, and was immediately struck by Holmes' similarity to his former professor. Stevenson was so sure of his theory that he actually wrote a letter to Conan Doyle asking, quote, Can this be my old friend, Joe Bell? Which, of course, it was. After medical school, Conan Doyle moved to London and began working as an ophthalmologist, but it didn't go so well. Business was so slow that he later joked about having an office with two waiting rooms, the consulting room, where he waited, and the waiting room, where no one waited. Still, there was a silver lining to having a failing medical practice. It left Conan Doyle with plenty of free time to write. He had already had one literary success four years earlier, when his first Sherlock Holmes story, A Study in Scarlet, was published in Beaton's Christmas Annual, a paperback magazine printed every November. Conan Doyle returned to the character after moving to London, and eventually struck a deal with The Strand magazine to publish an exclusive series of stories featuring the keen-eyed detective and his amiable partner, Dr. Watson. The character quickly became a hit with the public, 
And not long after, Conan Doyle was able to give up medicine and devote himself full-time to writing. He later called that decision, quote, one of the great moments of exaltation of my life. For the next two years, readers eagerly lined up at newsstands whenever a new issue of The Strand was released. And on October 14, 1892, they headed to bookstores in droves to buy the first collected volume of Sherlock Holmes stories. The public's love for the character made Conan Doyle one of the highest paid writers of his day, but over time, he grew tired of his own creation and longed to move on to other, more fulfilling projects. In a letter to a friend, the author expressed that growing disgust with his character, writing, quote, I have had such an overdose of Holmes that I feel towards him as I do towards pâté de foie gras, of which I once ate too much, so that the name of it gives me a sickly feeling to this day. And so, after writing three series of 12 home stories each, Conan Doyle decided to kill off the popular detective in the 1893 story, The Final Problem. That tale ends with Holmes plunging to his death over the Reichenbach Falls, locked in mortal combat with criminal mastermind Professor Moriarty. Detective stories had paid the bills and then some, but Conan Doyle only ever saw Sherlock Holmes as a stepping stone from genre fiction to what he considered to be more serious forms of literature, historical novels, plays, and poetry. With the final problem, the author clearly hoped to close the book on Holmes for good, but fans of the detective had different ideas. When Sherlock Holmes fell to his death in 1893, he took most of the Strand's readership with him. More than 20,000 readers reportedly canceled their subscriptions in protest. Many of those people also wrote angry letters to Conan Doyle, begging and sometimes demanding that he resurrect the character. Some readers even took to wearing black armbands in public to show they were in mourning for the fictional detective. By that point, the character had achieved international acclaim. Across the Atlantic, Americans organized Let's Keep Homes Alive clubs and launched their own letter-writing campaigns, intent on shaming the author into bringing back their favorite character. Despite all that public pressure, Conan Doyle stuck to his guns for eight long years. He finally relented, though, in 1901, when he published a brand new Sherlock Holmes novel, The Hound of the Baskervilles. The story was presented as an old case from Watson's records, and thereby acted as a kind of prequel set before the detective's fateful fall. It has since gone on to become one of the most iconic works in the Holmes canon, but at the time, readers were disappointed that Conan Doyle had stopped short of resurrecting the detective. The author obliged them two years later with The Empty House, a story that revealed Holmes had never died in the first place, but had actually faked his own death in order to go undercover. And while that may sound a little hokey and contrived, you can be sure that fans didn't mind one bit. After all, the story was proof of the impossible. They had brought a character back to life through sheer collective will. It was quite an accomplishment for a loosely connected group of people with a shared fondness for pulp fiction. Prior to Sherlock, people generally accepted when stories ended and were willing to move on whenever the author said it was time to do so. That changed in the early 20th century, giving the world its first taste of what a highly motivated fan base was capable of. And for better or worse, 
the world of pop culture has never been the same since. As for Arthur Conan Doyle, he continued to write Sherlock Holmes stories, albeit begrudgingly, until 1927. Three years later, he died of a heart attack at the age of 71. Although he had been strong-armed into writing detective stories against his will, rest assured that Conan Doyle did manage to write a variety of non-Sherlock-related material as well. Just probably not as much as he would have liked. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you enjoyed today's episode, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. You can also rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts, or you can pass along your feedback directly by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again soon for another day in history class. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. This is Ashley Iconetti from the Ben and Ashley I Almost Famous podcast. Tennessee just sounds perfect. Whether that's live music, the crack of a campfire, or kids laughing on an adventure. To start planning your trip, visit tnvacation.com. Tennessee. Sounds perfect.